Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. I remember sitting in the theater on opening weekend in December of 2015. It had been 10 years since the Star Wars movie had been released, and and even then, that was only the prequels that had been released. I was like a kid. My heart was racing. The previews that day couldn't have taken any longer. But finally, the, the lights in the theater darkened all the way. That iconic blue title showed up on the screen a long, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then the opening fanfare of John Williams' epic theme song and the yellow Star Wars logo came on the screen. The expectation, the anticipation of that moment was, was so intense, I may or may not have gotten just a little bit emotional in that moment. Now, you, you may not be a Star Wars fan, but you still understand the, the, the meaning and the idea of expectancy. Maybe you remember the, the night before your, your wedding, or maybe you remember as a child how, how hard it was to go to sleep the night before going on a, on a big vacation. Maybe you had that feeling before you, you started on a, on a new job. I suspect that there's more than a handful of folks in this online gathering today who, who sort of have that feeling about comeback day, whenever that day is, is going to be. Because I won't lie, folks, this is getting old. Uh, I think we all agree that, that this, this, this whole thing is, is getting old, and so, so we're looking forward to when the restrictions are, are lifted and, and it's safe to gather again. Uh, but I, I will say this, I know that in my heart, and I hope it's true in yours, that the Lord has stirred a longing for his church. While I'm grateful for this team, this small team that gathers on Sunday morning, and I'm, I appreciate their sacrifice, uh, I, I'm ready to see some more faces other than this group of ten right here. Uh, again, we love you guys, but, uh, but I'm ready for some, some new faces. Uh, and I hope, I hope the Lord's done that for you as well, that, that he's stirred a, a, a longing for his church gathered together, gathered together again. You know, up until this point in our journey, we're 11 weeks in, this is the 12th week, everything's been looking forward, looking forward to the sun that would crush the serpent, looking forward to the king that would eternally sit on the throne, looking forward to the suffering servant who would pay the penalty for sin, looking forward to the conquest of death once and for all. And by the time we get to the end of the Old Testament and we flip over to the pages of the New, there is so much pent-up expectation. I I laughed when I saw pictures. I sort of cringed when I saw pictures uh, a Friday morning of the people standing in line outside the nail salons to get their their mani-pedis taken care of. That's what you call pent-up expectation. It's better than that in the Bible, I assure you. Because here, when we, when we go to our New Testament, we find ourselves asking the question, is God really going to do all that he said he's going to do? He's been quiet for centuries. No prophetic word when we flip over into the New Testament. As a nation, the Israelites have been conquered again and again by foreign rulers. And the king, the one on the throne, when we begin our New Testament, 
He was nothing but a puppet king installed by the, by the Roman authorities to give some semblance of local control. In a sense, by the time we begin our journey into the New Testament, God has written a bunch of checks that hadn't cleared the bank yet. And today we, we find ourselves looking as what is to believe the very first gospel witness of the New Testament, the gospel of, of Mark. Now, Mark's gospel is all about action. He's, he's only got 16 chapters, so a lot gets crammed in there. And in Mark's gospel, Jesus begins his ministry with a very bold and significant statement. Now, we know the events that lead us to this statement in the first chapter of Mark's gospel. Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan by John. He was there in that baptism present with the other two persons of the Trinity as it is revealed there. Jesus leaves the Jordan River, goes out into the wilderness to be tested and tempted with the devil, uh, by the devil to go into battle with Satan there. He overcomes all the temptations that were hurled at him, and he comes back to Galilee to begin what is roughly a three-year public ministry. And he inaugurates this ministry according to Mark's gospel with what we read this morning from Mark's gospel, the very first chapter. And we're only going to look at just two verses this morning from the first chapter of Mark, beginning in verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Father, we thank you for your word. Such a profound two verses that Jesus begins his ministry with. We pray, Lord, that as we consider Jesus' words, that the time has been fulfilled, that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that we should repent and believe in the gospel. We thank you for the expectation and how you meet that expectation through the person of Jesus. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a radio station in Fort Collins, Colorado, and you've likely never listened to it. It broadcasts on a frequency that you can't get on your FM or AM dial. Uh, the, the station is, is radio station WWV. And, and I'll say that WWV's programming is, is not exactly what you would be too excited to be listening to unless you are a very big fan of a very steady beat. Uh, we're going to attempt to play just a, just a snippet of their broadcast this morning. I think we're safe. We're not going to get in copyright trouble for playing this. But let's go ahead and, and let our rooms be filled with the wonderful sound of radio station WWV. Now, that goes on for a while. As a matter of fact, it goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 366 days a year, because this is a leap year. 
That clip goes on for several minutes. I thought about playing the whole clip, and and you guys could start to extract truth from one another, because that's like some torture device that we use to interrogate people with. You say, what in the world is is that radio station? Well, if you've never heard of it, WWV sends out a radio beacon that standardizes time. It's attached to the atomic clock there in Colorado, and each tick that you hear on that radio broadcast is like an electronic metronome that measures the standard unit of time, the second. Now, if you find yourself wanting to listen to it, I'm sure there's websites that broadcast that, and you can listen to it till your heart's content. Maybe you can count the days of the quarantine listening to the radio station and see how quickly you go crazy. But when you think about time, the time has come. This is what comes to mind. You see, when I was in the marching band in high school, we learned to mark time. That meant that we marched in place to the tempo of the music. Perhaps you've been marking time since this whole shutdown has taken place as a result of the coronavirus. I spoke with a, with a good friend earlier this week who had a double knee replacement before all of this started, and he's been marking time by the time he's cleared to return back to work. Understand this. In this time, seconds turn into minutes, minutes turn into hours, hours turn into days, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into years, years turn into decades, decades turn into centuries, and centuries turn into millennia. God established time. This is not something we created. On the fourth day of creation, God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. And so God established time as we know it. Jesus comes onto the scene in Mark chapter 1 and he declares the time is fulfilled. However, when Jesus says this, he's, he's not talking about the passing of seconds or the passing of minutes. In the developed world in which most of us live who are listening today, it's, it's very hard for us to consider any, other, any type of other thing other than the time we know that's being governed by the clock. Most of our lives are governed by a clock. We clock in, we clock out. We have a countdown timer on our worship services. I was looking at that this morning, that, that we mark time for when our worship begins with a clock that starts counting down. I set an alarm this morning so that I would wake up at a certain time, not just when my body said it was time to get up. However, what we find is that when we open our New Testaments, that there's actually two words for time that are used. When we're talking about the hours on the clock, the time that we can count, we're actually talking about one type of time called chronos. But the Bible recognizes that there is another type of time called kairos. While chronos is a more quantitative definition of time, something that can be counted, if you were so brave you could listen to WWV and count time. But kairos is more of a qualitative description of time. We could talk about the the chronos of the coronavirus. We would count the days since the, first, uh, since the first infection. We could count the days that we've been out of work or the days that we've been stuck inside. 
But if you wanted to count the kairos of the coronavirus, then we are talking about the season in which we find ourselves. And it is, as has been said many times, clearly an unprecedented season. I saw a tweet this week that someone said that they were going to begin their emails when all this is over with, with the heading, in this precedented and predictable time. Because everything has been unprecedented and unpredictable. But when we're talking about the kairos of the coronavirus, and we're talking about the opportunities that we are presented with, we're talking about the lessons that we can learn. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, look carefully... Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Well, Paul's not talking about good time management, making sure that you set your calendar accordingly. He's not talking about how we utilize the minutes in our day. He is challenging us when he tells us to make the, most, the best use of the time he is challenging us to learn from the season of life in which we find ourselves. Indeed, we see the same concept in the Old Testament. When Esther was confronted with becoming the queen of Persia and, and, re, and rescuing the Jews, her uncle Mordecai reminds her that she was made for such a time as this. And while we could certainly go to a calendar and identify when Queen Esther was coronated, Mordecai was thinking about much more. When Jesus says that the time is fulfilled, he is speaking about the season in which God is about to act. We could certainly go back and count the days between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. We could talk about the, the quantitative time that had passed, but we clearly recognize that Jesus is speaking about something different. God was about to act the time the kairos was fulfilled. And of course we know, as we have heard the story, God's action in this kairos was bold and decisive. We are talking about the satisfaction of all the promises that we have been discussing for the last two, two, almost three months. We were talking about the advent of the Messiah, the, the coming of the Christ, the son of Eve that would crush the serpent's head. All the checks that God wrote in the Old Testament begin to clear the bank finally after all these years because the kairos is fulfilled. The simple text, however, reminds us that we too should be mindful of the kairos of our lives. Just like Esther, God has placed us in the place we are today for such a time as this. And while I certainly know that we can be frustrated because too much chronos has passed in this current season, it is the kairos of this season that matters more than the number of days. Jesus said the time was fulfilled with his arrival on the scene here in the New Testament, but listen, we know as, as New Covenant believers living here today in the year 2020, we know that we are heading closer and closer to the time of Jesus' second advent. And while we know that it will come at a moment in time, we know that there is a chronos attached to that return, we also understand that there is a kairos that is attached to that time. And we look forward to the kairos of Jesus' return. 
And we're reminded today to make the most of the time in which we find ourselves. We need to make the most of this season. We need to redeem this kairos for the glory of God. The second thing Jesus says in this statement is that the kingdom is at hand. Well, exactly what is he talking about here? What is this kairos that Jesus is pointing to when he says the kingdom is at hand? Well, he's talking about the advent of the kingdom of God. Again, you've got to remember the journey thus far. Adam and Eve were a type of king and queen meant to rule over God's creation. Judah was the royal branch of Abraham's children. David was the man after God's own heart and the beneficiary of God's eternal promise to always have a man on the throne. And now, having accumulated close to four millennia of promises, prophecies, and covenants, the king and the kingdom are at hand. Because you can't have a kingdom without a king. And Jesus was the perfect king. He's the only perfect king who's ever lived. And we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus was pointing to the inauguration of the kingdom of God. And of course, it's a kingdom like none other. None other has ever existed or would ever exist. Jesus even told Pontius Pilate during his trial, my kingdom is not of this world. Which is why, coincidentally, you and I can have dual citizenship. We are now citizens of this kingdom that Jesus brings without having to renounce citizenship in our earthly home. We are in the world. We are citizens as as we recognize of the nation in which we live. However, we also understand that our allegiance is to King Jesus and his kingdom surpasses our allegiances to any other earthly ruler or any other earthly system. Jesus is the supreme king. He is the king which the whole Old Testament has pointed to, and he is the king over the kingdom of which we are a part. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we need to make sure that we are living our lives today so that we are continuing to declare to the world around us that the kingdom is at hand. We ought not assume people know this. I think too many times in our Bible Belt culture, we just assume everybody gets this. But the reality is that I don't think they do. We live in an area where there are literally churches on every corner. Yet for so many in our world, they see that the church is a relic of a different kairos. It's a relic of a time gone by. And in so many ways, we've allowed it to happen. However, when we come out of this mess, we need to get back to the business of telling the world that there is a greater kingdom at hand. And I will say this, and it may be somewhat somewhat controversial in this kairos in which we find ourselves, we need to make sure that we know where our hope lies. While we appreciate the fact that our government took the coronavirus seriously, and we've been willing to partner with our government to ensure that we've done our part to protect our community, and we agree that we will continue to work with our leaders and medical experts, but we do so because it is the responsible thing to do. Our hope has never been based on anything that this physical kingdom has to offer.
I ran across this, this image the other day and thought it was a very poignant reminder of this truth. Uh, the image is a Photoshop of President Trump sitting at a barbecue, and the guy running the barbecue says, I, he paid for everything, so I had to invite him. We'd better make sure that we're looking in the right direction. Our lost and dying world desperately needs King Jesus. And the Bible makes it very clear that you and I are ambassadors of this king. So how do we gain citizenship in this greater kingdom? Well, Jesus answers it for us. The third thing he says is to repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was never one to talk around the issues, and the first thing he says here is to repent. Not a popular word in today's vocabulary. It's not a popular word because built into the meaning of the word repent is, is that we are flawed. You don't need to repent if you're not flawed. But we are not flawed by design. Our design was very good. We are flawed by choice and by nature, and every single one of us comes up short of the mark. And in Mark's gospel, the first thing Jesus tells us as he begins his public ministry is, is that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Repent! Believe in the gospel. We need to make sure that we don't mistake repentance with her, her evil imposters. There's some evil imposters of repentance that sometimes show up and confuse reality. One of those evil imposters is regret. Well, you know, regret's easy. Regret is not sorrow for sinful attitude and sinful behaviors. Regret is feeling remorse for the consequences of our actions, not the heart behind those actions. If you're a parent of a child, you know what regret looks like because so many times children have regret for what they have done, not true repentance. Otherwise, they would not go back to it again. They show regret because they have remorse for the consequences. Another evil imposter of repentance is embarrassment. Embarrassment is also easy. Honestly, we have very little control over embarrassment, but embarrassment is not true sorrow for sinful actions and attitudes. Embarrassment is the pain of being caught doing that which is dishonorable, immoral, or unrighteous. We all have been embarrassed before. Another evil imposter of repentance is apology. Not that apologies are evil. Indeed, true repentance often involves apologies. But have you ever apologized like this when you've been wrong? I'm sorry you took it that way. It's an interesting way to, it's almost like a politician apologizing. I, I'm sorry you interpreted that, that way. I didn't mean what, how, you, how you took it. Sometimes repenting requires apologies, but not every apology comes from a place of repentance. What true repentance means is that we change our mind, we change our behavior, and that's a lot harder. It requires that we deal with that which is within us that is in fundamental opposition to a holy God. I love how Pastor Kevin DeYoung says it. He says, you change your mind about yourself. I am not fundamentally a good person deep down. 
I am not the center of my universe. I am not the king of the world or even my life. He says you change your mind about sin. I'm responsible for my own actions. My past hurts do not excuse my present failings. My offenses against God and against others are not trivial. I do not live or think or feel as I should. And thirdly, he says you should change your mind about God. That God is trustworthy. That his word is sure. That he is able to forgive and to save. I believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I owe him my life and my allegiance. He is my king and my sovereign. He wants what is best for me. I believe it. A change of mind and a change of behavior. You see what happens when we change the way we think? We tend to change the way we act because our thoughts drive our actions. And true repentance comes with a change of thought that reflects in a change of actions. Jesus says to repent. But he says to believe in the gospel. That's the good news. It's been the good news from the start. In spite of man's sin and rebellion, in spite of the victories that the serpent seemed to have, the gospel, the good news, the fix is in. Sin can be atoned for. Death can be overcome. All through Jesus. Repent and believe in the gospel. As we come to a time of response throughout this time of quarantine, we've turned response over to a, just a video to remind you of what you could do. But I want to make an appeal today to any who are watching, either live or in hours and days to come, that if you're not part of this kingdom of which Jesus is the king, I would invite you to heed Jesus' words, to repent and believe in the gospel, that there is a holy God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son into this world, that he would die not for his own gain, but he died for your sins that you might find forgiveness and that you might be healed from your unrighteousness. He is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. It is by his wounds that you find healing. He died in your place for your sins. He was buried because he was dead. But on the third day, on Sunday morning, God raised him from the dead. And Jesus conquered Satan's sin, hell, and death. And he offers to extend forgiveness to you. If you will repent and believe in that gospel, that good news, that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, that you might live forever, friend, you can be saved. In just a moment, you'll see a video with an email address, simple response at cvbchurch.org. I would encourage you today, if you need to repent and believe in the gospel, that you reach out to us from that email address today. Before we even finish, response at cvbchurch.org. And let us know that you'd like to give your life to Christ. You don't have to be in this room to be saved. You don't have to be in this county to be saved. You can be on the other side of the world listening to this on YouTube or on Facebook. 
If you'll repent and believe in the gospel, you can be saved. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. I thank you that there is a Savior who gave it all that we might live. I thank you that the time is fulfilled, that the kingdom is at hand, and the call to repent and believe in the gospel is here. God, if there's any here today, or in hours and days to come, who need to give their life to Christ, that this would be the day, that this would be the season, this would be the kairos of their salvation. Thank you for this time and for this word from your scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.